Hello to our early stage founders in Vietnam, our aspiring entrepreneurs, and those just curious about the entrepreneurship journey. This is not just another VC podcast. AVV Founders and Friends is here to share candid stories about the founders in the ecosystem, really demystifying and bringing light to their early stage journey, especially those first six to 12 months. I'm Adrian. And I'm Ho. And we're the hosts of the AVV Founders and Friends podcast. So welcome back to AVV Founders and Friends podcast season one, where we are sitting down with successful founders in Vietnam and Southeast Asia to get a behind the scenes look on the first hires and early team for their companies. And today we are here with special guest Esther Nguyen, founder and CEO of Pops Worldwide. Pops Worldwide is the leading digital entertainment company in Southeast Asia, serving over 523 million subscribers with a diverse content library ranging from music, general entertainment, kids edutainment, and more from the very best content creators in the region. For those who don't know, Pops, when they first started, they actually established the noms copyrighted entertainment industry in an era where bootleg CDs and Lime was still around, right? They are operating in Vietnam, Thailand, Singapore, Indonesia, and the Philippines. So thank you so much for joining us today, Esther. You and the Pops Worldwide team have accomplished so much in the last 14 years, and we are excited to hear about the people behind the company that made it possible. Well, thank you for having me on the show. It's very exciting. It is my first podcast, so I'm very excited to be here and share my history and, and our journey. Awesome. It's also our first podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> we're really excited to have you today. All right, so you're a regional company now, but we're going to go all the way back to the very, very beginning, right? 14 years ago, <laughs> when you first started Pops, who were your first three hires? Okay, so I had to think really hard because it was so long ago, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. So I had to, you know, rewind. And I would say the very first hire was, her name was Catherine. She was finishing up her MBA. And uh, I said, this is, you know, I'm creating and, and moving to Vietnam to start the Spotify of Vietnam. You know, social music, discovery, all of that. She moved to Vietnam with me. And, you know... To be honest, it was really great and comforting to have, you know, a friend, but also someone who was really down to get into the de the deep of it. And because back in 2007, it was really the wild, wild west coming back and trying to figure things out. The whole entrepreneur ecosystem wasn't in place. There was no, you know, entrepreneur networking events or co-working spaces or things like that. So it was really, you know, you're out there all on your own trying to figure things. So it was nice to have a sidekick. And from there, she introduced me to Han. Han was our first local hire. And she has been with me till now. I mean, she's moved to Canada in the past year, but she's always been with Pops. I've seen her grow from just being our second hire to, to, really successful she became our COO she became just a really important part of the culture the spirit the the soul of the company so it was it's been great to have her she came from nonprofit actually 
So she had no business or no information, no experience in entertainment in terms of building a company, nothing. But what she did have was heart. She had faith in what I was building and she always had the can do attitude. You know, so I think that was really important for us to have at that time. The third one I would say would be Jung Ma, who is still with us after 14 years, still with us. And it's been amazing for me to see him grow from just an engineer to a very key person in the organization who handles all of our million, over a million hours of content across multiple different platforms. He is the gatekeeper. He is the ops guy. And he is, you know, to watch him grow as an individual has been really amazing. So thinking back, yeah, 2007 in Vietnam was a very different time, right? I think it was very hard to to recruit and especially look for people who had that kind of international vision. So maybe you didn't have to convince your friend to join you, right? It sounds like she was already ready to, but what were those early conversations with Hank like? Hank was, I, you know, for me, initial days, and we had this, this picture that we, you know, our very first meeting, and I said, let's do it, you know? And she said, I have no experience. I'm like, that's okay. You have a really good attitude. But initially, you know, for her, for me to convince her and say, you know, I tried to, Winner over with stock options, and she's like, "What is that?" You know, or they just didn't understand what that means and what that meant. You know, what it, what kind of value that had, you know, and so which is very different today. You know, if you talk about stock options now to employees, they're like, "Wow, yes, definitely." So back then, it wasn't about the stock options that lured her to join, but the vision in terms of what we were building, what we wanted to do. And just, you know, I don't, I don't think I would have been able to do what we did without her, to be honest. And I think she knew, you know, that, that I really trusted her and needed her to be my sidekick, I guess. Yeah, something you mentioned that was really interesting was this idea that, you know, she challenged you, right? She was constantly reminding you that, you're in Vietnam and she came with a lot of heart, right? So she yeah. saw this vision, she committed, not just on a day-to-day basis in terms of these are the tasks I'm doing, but really to kind of the emotional roller coaster that being yeah. part of an early team can be. So I'm wondering, you know, when you first met Hank in your first conversations, were you able to identify all of those kind of traits or did they slowly reveal themselves, you know, while you started? to work together i knew that it was there from the very beginning but to what depth and what extent really showed over time you know when we didn't have any money or when we hit a roadblock or you know for example when we didn't have any money and you know we talked to her and i talked to the managers and they all decided to take no salary for three or four months until we can get back on our feet right and it was led by her heart and and my vision, right? Um, when it was her that said, Esther, we really need core values. I'm like, you know, I remember that in, in business school and I'm like, oh, that's so much fluff. I'm like, do we really need it? Yes, we really need it. Okay, you do it, <laughs> right? So 
and you tell me what it is. And she's like, well, what's important for you? You know, and she was able to pull all of this emotional side out of me who, you know, and that, and put it into a framework where today that framework still exists and is a guiding post to the pop's culture. So it has been, you know, she was instrumental at, at balancing me and, and pushing me to do the things that, you know, I didn't think was important, but she, but really was important. Yeah. Something that, you know, founders don't always talk about is that idea of being able to balance, right. The, the lead founder, the CEO and something you've brought up with Hang. And I'm wondering, you know, the other two hires were your friend. And then you also have Chum, who's the engineer, was your second a local hire. Then yeah. how did they balance you? What did you see in them that you said, Hey, these are going to be great people to continue that first part of the early journey. Catherine and, and Doom were very different in the sense that Catherine reminded me, hey, you need to have a life outside of, you know, the company to balance you and you don't go crazy. So, you know, she would make sure that I would go and have a drink later after work or, you know, to make sure that I'm, you know, I don't completely die of, of, of working so hard. So, I, you know, she did remind me of that balance. But Doom, he was just a solid guy, you know, didn't waver, doesn't have emotion, like wasn't emotional, just, you know, was a, was a great, this is what you need done, we'll get it done kind of thing, right? And so he was just this stable force and continues to be this stable force in the, in the organization. So it's, it's great to have that then, it's also great to have it today. And it's rare to have, I think, someone to follow you from the beginning of the journey all the way to, to now. Yeah, that, that sounds wonderful. I think you're you know, quite lucky to be able to find these really strong leaders in the company, like at such an early stage. And I know a lot of founders struggle with that, right? One, one more question and kind of on this, you know, with all these characteristics for Catherine and Thum, um, when you first were looking for your hires, did you have an idea like saying, hey, I'm looking for these qualities and this level of knowledge? And if you did, how did that change as you started having these conversations? You know, to be honest, at the, at the very beginning, for me, what was more important, yes, of course, the knowledge or expertise as a finance person or as a, you know, engineer, that was important. But, but what really trumps that is the entrepreneur spirit the the hustle the we can get through anything and to try something that no one else has tried and not to do follow what everyone else is doing right so those kind of characteristics were very important to the survival and to the growth of the company and it still is you know we're still hustling i feel like i still feel even though we're quote unquote, a teenager, I still feel like, you know, we're still young and there's still a lot to do. We're still reinventing ourselves as always as a digital company. So that hustle and that, that entrepreneur spirit and still needs to be, be here. So what I look for then still exists today. And if not even more so, because having a heart, having that, you know, the core values that match what Hunt did at the very beginning is very important because if you don't have that it can really interrupt the whole organization that you've built, you know? And mm -hmm. so it doesn't change actually. If, and if you're able to build that 
framework at the beginning and keep it, it it's, helps the organization grow and keep that culture. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like that, you know, you had a pretty formidable culture at the very beginning, right? You, you talked about entrepreneurship mindset, hustle, being able to challenge each other and balance each other out. Yeah. And, you know, I'll point out that for the audience is that none of these are related to like particular skill sets, right? And they're like, oh, this person can yeah. pitch an investor or they can create uh, financial models or, you know, they can build an MVP on their own in, in two Correct. weeks, right? Full stack developers, nothing like that. These are truly kind of interpersonal skills and they're things that reflect more a lot on the character of the people that you you brought on. That's right. Because, you know, I've, I've done that. I made mistakes. I've hired, you know, not in the sense where I found people who have really great expertise, great history, you know, who've worked for some really great companies, but when they came in and they couldn't fit in the pops culture, they couldn't keep up with the pop speed. They couldn't, you know, communicate with everyone. Then that expertise doesn't really mean anything, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about, you know, the chemistry of people working together, teamwork, because we can always find the expertise, uh, but you can't always find a, a good heart and good attitude. Yeah. How, but, you know, all of these things, right? Entrepreneurial spirit, the hustle, good heart, good attitude. How did you screen for these things when you talk to these first few candidates? Because I assume, right, you cannot ask them, hey, do you have a good attitude? Are you willing to wear <laughs> your sleeves? So how did, you, how did you gauge that when you talk to them? You know, sometimes you're, you're wrong. Sometimes you're right. I think it's all about the gut and the chemistry that you feel with the person when you first meet them. It's hard. You know, you don't get it right all the time. And you think you got it right, but you didn't, right? So it's, it's really it's it's tough. I wouldn't say that I'm always accurate. But, you know, when you have a conversation with them or I like to, you know, especially if it's a senior hire or someone who I'll be working with, you know, I like to have a number of conversations with them inside the office, outside the office. I like to find out, you know, who they worked with before, do a little bit of back background check. Um, mm have a drink, things like that. I know there's a lot of alcohol in, in all of us, but you know, really just to see them outside of the office and just to get to know them as a person is really important, especially at the, the key hires, right? Mm. But you know, I've been wrong, you know, and, but that's okay. It, it's part of the journey to be wrong. Just make sure that you, you find out quickly so that, you know, that person or that, that set of people don't ruin or tarnish the culture that you've built. All right. So that's the early team. Those are the early days. Fast forward to today, you are a regional company with how many employees across the region? 400. 400 employees. <laughs> that's a large company. I, I think know. a lot of founders dream of getting to that size. Right? It's a, it's a common comment. They say a lot of companies that start in a particular 
country, especially in Southeast Asia, right, regardless of what country it is, they often don't really get to that regional size. And there's a few examples in, in Singapore, in, in Indonesia, and now Vietnam, that where companies have been able to expand. So you're one of the few that really have been able to do it, especially at this scale, right? And you're still going. Tell us a little bit about the team there and how that got started. Yeah, so Indonesia was, you know, it was very interesting. You know, we were debating between Philippines or Indonesia. We decided on Indonesia. And not only did we decide on Indonesia, but it was during the peak of COVID that we decided to enter into Indonesia. And it was a bold move, but it was a really good move on our end in the sense that, you know, we were lucky or, or just knew what we were looking for in terms of leadership. You know, we knew that we wanted someone who had in the entertainment field, but also who had an entrepreneur drive. And so it was, you know, like finding a needle in a haystack, but we found it. We were very lucky on our first try. Actually, Zico is really amazing. And what makes him amazing is that he has this, you know, we are the newcomers, we are the underdog, but I, you know, we are not afraid to tackle anyone and everyone and really go after the, you know, the industry. So, you know, first again, so it's the from Zico and this feeling of can do and with a big heart. And from there, it was really seamless to help him grow the business and watch him grow as a leader. And it's been amazing to see him grow from, you know, one person to 10 to 10 to 50 now. And uh, it's it's quite exciting. So when I do go to Indonesia and I get to see the team, there's so much spirit and there's so much energy from the team. They're all jam-packed sitting like, you know, crammed together. And now we're moving, you know, getting ready to move into a real office. So it's it's very exciting to see that team grow and the spirit and the, the pops culture being able to translate and transfer from not just here in Vietnam, but also to Indonesia. And they really hold the core values that I built or had built <laughs> back in, you know, 14 years ago. That's, That's awesome all. to hear, Esther. So it sounds like the first hire that you made in Indonesia was very similar to the first hire that first hires that you made in Vietnam in terms of attitude, in terms of values, right? But I'm really curious if you adapted your hiring strategy at all for the Indonesian market. Was there anything that you did differently compared to when you were setting up the team here in Vietnam? You know, no, I would say that a little different. You know, we went for a headhunter instead of, you know, friend of friend. But he was quite known in the industry. You know, he had a great track record. He had a great reputation. I would say that the more challenging of, between all of our markets was Thailand in terms of finding leadership. And I would say it, it was just, you know, we didn't, couldn't find the right person or they were not able to help us scale the business as quickly as we wanted to. But now, you know, we have Bonnie who has been with us and he's grown the business overnight. And it's been really exciting to see work with him because we are very similar and we have, you know, he's all heart. He's really a go-getter. And I love that I can just say, hey, this is what I need. And he's like, consider it done. You know, it's really exciting to have that. Um, and again, it's his attitude. 
he just has a really great attitude that he's not afraid to tackle the hard things. But also he's not afraid to say, hey, Esther, you know, we need some help, right? And so I think what ties all of the markets together that all of us as leaders, we don't have egos. I think, you know, if we did, it wouldn't we know when to talk to each other, when to, you know, ask the questions, when to lean in, when to go in and just do our stuff, right? And there's a lot of trust between all of us, which is really important since we're not together every day. Okay. So you mentioned that Jun was your first engineer Jun. and he's been with the company for 14 years. You've kept people for 12 and 14 years. That's like better retention rate than like most banks, right? And people work at banks for a long time. So that's really <laughs> true, amazing. True. And I would say that it makes me feel very proud to see them grow and, and, and really blossom into their role and who they are from when they were very young to the, the adults that they are now. I'm very honest with, with everyone, or I try to be as much as I can, as honest and transparent. And it's not always easy because a lot of times, you know, I just want to keep it inside, not burden them with all the things, you know, that may or may not be happening. But I, that doesn't help anybody if I keep it all to myself. So I try to be as transparent. And so I think that alone helps to build the trust between the executives and make us feel like we're not all alone, that we are in it. And transparency, communication, trust is, is very important. And I think it's just this, this transferring this trust onto level after level after level. There is this great working relationship and they knew that they can make an impact and showing that they're doing that, you know, and just keep motivating them, inspiring them to do better and do more. It really helped us get through the tough times. Also, one last point is accepting failure. It's okay to fail and it's okay if the team members fail, but as long as they learn from it, because that's part of growth, right? And if they are not scared to fail, then it also, allows them to grow and they see that and that enables them to trust more, make a better impact too. The team feels like they can just say what they need to say with mm. respect. You know, if they don't agree with each other or they're on the different page and they need to get on the same page, they're, they're good at arguing. They're good at speaking their mind, but then they're okay at just leaving it at the table. No one takes it personally. No one takes it, you know, to heart. And then we can, right after that, we can all go and have drinks and, and have a meal and have some fun, right? So I think, having, again, it goes back to trust. Trust of being able to communicate and share their thoughts. Because at the end of the day, we all have the best interests at heart, which is building a great company. We call ourselves Avengers. So I think that's what helps keep people in the organization. It's funny that you said you refer to yourself as Avengers. At ABB, we refer to ourselves as Ascendants because ABB stands for Ascendant <laughs> Avengers. So hopefully that will also build a sense of belonging, a sense of identity. Yeah, something yeah. that, that you know, our team members would be proud to refer to themselves. Yeah, to, to follow up on that, you know, all these markets from, let's say, 10 years ago till now, they've evolved a lot, right? And the hiring market has gotten really competitive. And it's something that we hear founders talk about all the time, right? They can't pay people enough. They can't offer enough incentives. And it sounds like what you have at Pops is really a, a, a culture that has become a glue, right? But even so, money is money. 
right? And senator and senators. <laughs> so if Ho and I were considering a new job, we're, we're, we're not, but if we were, how would you pitch us on joining Pops Worldwide today? Definitely, I, we cannot pay as big as, you know, some of these other companies, but everyone needs a mission in life, right? And so if, you, if that's what you're looking for, then Pops is definitely the company that you want to be with. If you want to make a difference, you want to have an impact, you want to grow economies, you want to, you know, try something new or be entrepreneurial, but also have a strong framework behind you to enable you to grow or build something, then Pops is the company for you. But you got to be ready for some fast paced movement because we really do move fast. And if you're up to the challenge with a lot of support, joining a great team, and having fun at it, then, you know, Pops is definitely the market, the place, the company for you. And you don't want to miss out. You don't want to look back and say, damn, I should have joined. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, at the end of the day, you're with, you know, the people at work more than you are at home, right? And so you need to be in an environment that you enjoy and you have fun. I have one final question. Yeah, if you could go back in the past, is there anything that you would do differently in identifying and hiring these first team members? I think it goes back to the core of POPs, which is I, I do strongly believe, and I can say this because I'm a foreigner here in Vietnam, I do believe in local talent. You know, especially us being a content company, content is very local. So, you know, local content for local market, local team for local market. And so whichever market that we are in, I do like to hire local, local team, local leadership. And so one of the things that, you know, I'm still trying to balance out is bringing in foreigners into local markets. It's a double-edged sword, right? This is great expertise, but can they come in and fit into the culture and lead in what we call transversal leadership, you know, being able to get every one of the peers to follow and to have faith and respect the things that you're bringing to the table and not just because you're a foreigner, right? I'm more cognizant of that as we are growing and expanding across the region and within each market. I love that. That's such a valid point, emphasizing local talent. Yeah. And I think, you know, we think back to 2007, there was this, this notion, this idea that you always had to bring in foreigners if you wanted to grow big, right? If you wanted people who are talented, Correct. who could manage, who could scale. And, you know, slowly that's right. been proven wrong, right? That talent has existed in the market. It's just that we didn't necessarily know where to find it in the beginning. And then there's, you know, another valid point about being able to bring in the right international talent that works well with the local talent, right? Maybe it fills some gaps, but it really should amplify what the local talent is able to do for that market, right? So yeah, there's a theme of being able to balance, yeah, right? Absolutely. So it's I, I like the word that you use, amplify and not, you know, disrupt. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing, Esther. Really appreciate it. Again, this is ABV Founders and Friends podcast season one with Esther Nguyen from CEO and founder of Pops Worldwide. Thank you. Had fun. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the ABB Founders and Friends podcast. This is Hope and Adrian. We'll see you next time.